Good morning once again. I'm just going to get set up here a little bit. So good to see so many people. It's nice. You know what? I missed handshakes. And I got a couple handshakes today, and it was wonderful, honestly. I really enjoyed it. Okay. So, today we are going to open his word, and I just need just one little, little word of prayer to just calm my nerves and know that I am speaking the Holy Spirit's words. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you've given me this opportunity to share your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that I would only be a conduit of the words that you want to share with your community. Thank you, Lord, so much for every person that is here. I pray that you would open ears, that you would open hearts, and that you would have me to speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to welcome you into our family home, if just for one second. It is spring, and it is evening, and it's just about twilight. And you are welcomed into our dining room. And in our dining room, the lights are low, and there are candles twinkling on the table. At every seat, there's a cozy cushion and your favorite blanket. You are invited to relax, to get comfy, maybe grab a cup of tea. There's an air of expectation of being welcomed and loved. And you, are, you and the other guests feel that you are a part of the family. And you take your seat at our long table. Someone stands and begins to tell a story. It's an ancient story. A story that spans time. A story woven together by sacrifice, blessing, freedom, and community. In ancient times, God's people were in slavery. And they had been in slavery for many, many years. And every day, they labored under these heavy burdens. They did things like gathering straw, forming bricks under this blazing sun, hauling those bricks, and every day they served their masters. Their masters were not kind, and they were often beaten and mistreated. Every day, day after day, God's people, the children of Israel, suffered. But God had a plan. A plan to save them, a plan to deliver them, a plan to redeem them. We find this story in the book of Exodus. And if you brought your Bible with you, I invite you to open your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus. I know we're in Mark, but trust me, we'll get there. Exodus, Exodus 3. Now, this is the story of when God called Moses. And when we go over that first part in Exodus 3, we see that Moses, he is just going about his normal, everyday things that he does. He's taking care of the sheep. He's hauling water. He's doing the things just to care for the things in his community. And suddenly, God appeared to him. God appeared to him in a fiery bush, and he called Moses by name. And he reminds Moses of, Moses of the covenant that he swore to Moses' ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was that covenant? In a nutshell, it was, I will always be with you, and I will protect you, and you will be my children, and I will be your God. All throughout Old Testament times, God blessed them but he also broke them. 
and he allowed them to suffer hardship to realize their need of him because God had a plan. And he was about to enact it. Let's read verses 7 to 10. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying, but because of their oppressors, and I know about their sufferings, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Prezites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may, you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Many of us know the story. We know the story of Moses and how God used him to free the children of Israel. We know that he visited 10 plagues upon the land of Egypt, 10 miraculous displays of God's power. The 10th plague, though, the 10th plague was a place where God was about to show in Exodus 11:7, that for those who followed him and obeyed him, that he would bless them, and he was about to save them from slavery. In Exodus 12, the Lord gives instructions for the Passover. This is the very first Passover. The people were to select a lamb or a kid goat. They were to kill it and take its blood and put it on the lintel in their homes. A lintel is like the doorpost, the area that's inside. They were to take the blood and they were to um, paint it on to the lintels in their home. And this was to be a distinguishing mark that the 10th plague came that no one with the blood on their doorposts would lose their firstborn son to death. You see, God would save their sons from death. God would save their sons from death. You know what happens later. And so each home that obeyed God was passed over. That evening, as was customary, the women prepared bread for their family. Every day, they would take their bread, they would take their big bread bowls, and they would make bread. And their bread was a little bit different than our bread today. When we think of bread, we think of something that's just flour. And, you know, but them, they had lentils and stuff in their bread. It was actually quite interesting. I would like to try some of their bread maybe sometime. But the women, they made this bread. And the following day, but the night of the 10th plague, was reenacted and the Egyptians, fearing for their very lives, rushed to tell the Israelites, leave now. Pharaoh told them to take their families, their flocks, their herds, just get out of town. We don't want to die. We don't want any more of these plagues. We believe in God's power. Just leave. We believe your God is powerful. Just go. Take whatever I have. We don't want to die. And so the women gathered their bread bowls. And the word says that they covered them with their clothes and they strapped them to their shoulders. The Israelites had lived in Egypt for 430 years, and God freed them. Okay, so this was the first Passover. God's people understood they were free, but I do not think they fully understood the significance of what the Passover meant, nor what God was planning for the future. Looking forward, looking forward now into the New Testament, the Passover had been celebrated year after year for approximately 400 years? I'm not exactly sure on that number. And every year a lamb had been roasted, every year the bread was broke, the wine was drank. But this night, 
this Passover was about to be very different. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark 14. And we're going to be in verses 12 to 26. And here's what the word says. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, the disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so that you may eat it? So he sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the city and a man carrying water, a water jug will meet you. Follow him wherever he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room for me to eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found just as he told them, they prepared the Passover. <clears throat> During this time in history, the festival of the unleavened bread was already kind of together with the Passover, and they were celebrated together. And during the days leading up to Passover, the priests slaughtered many lambs and brought them to the, to the temple. So when Jesus asked them to go and prepare this meal, they had to go to the temple. They had to procure a, a lamb. They also needed to find the other elements of the Passover meal. They needed to prepare the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread and fruit. And they gathered together as a family would. When the evening came... Verse 17, Jesus arrived with the twelve, and while they were reclining at the table, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. This Passover meal was eaten at twilight. It was eaten between sundown and midnight, and the Jewish people normally would sit upright when they ate. But for a special meal for a banquet like this, the men would recline like it was the style in the Greek, and they would support themselves on their left elbow and they would eat with their right. Eating together, eating together established a covenant relationship. So when someone that you had a covenant relationship broke that covenant, they were betraying you. And the betrayal of a close friend was especially hard. But when someone betrayed you, the dishonor was not only on the person doing the betraying, the dishonor was on the person who had been betrayed. They were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. Surely you don't mean me. I would never betray you. It is one of the twelve, he replied. The one who dips bread into the bowl with me. They would take the, the bread and they would dip it into the bitter herbs and they would taste it. The Son of Man will go just as written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And many believe this is where Judas left the building. He stood up and left. Now verse 22, listen to this closely. While we were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. This is my body which is given for you. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank all of it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. When I was reading verse 22 here, 
something stood out to me, something significant, and I mulled it over and I reread it so many times, and I just talked to God about it a lot this week. There are four words there that when we read it, don't necessarily stand out to us, but when we look at what Jesus did with bread, we can start to understand what Jesus wants to do with our life. You see, Jesus, in verse 22, he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. At every meal in Jewish homes, the head of the family every evening would actually take the bread that the, the women had made the day before. They would lift it up and they would pray a blessing on it. And it was a very specific blessing. They said, praise be thou our Lord and our God who causes bread to come forth from the earth. And then every day, the bread was broken, the bread was given. And this was done as a blessing to each person present at their table. I often wonder, did this become rote in their life like so many things do in ours? Or did they grasp even a bit of what the significance was that they were praying for day after day? Every day at their meal, this took place. Every year for generations, this act of bread being took, blessed, broken, and given and yet they had no idea there was so, so much more to come. So much more to understand in this simple act that was a part of their every day. Bread was symbolic in the ancient Near East, especially unleavened bread. The Jew, to the Jewish person, the unleavened bread symbolized the severing of the Israelites from the old life in Egypt. But here, Jesus is about to give new meaning to the eating of the bread. Four. The first time here, Jesus declares that the bread to represent his body. His body that was about to be given for them. It was his body given as a ransom for all those who had come, all who were there with him, and all that were to come. The sacrifice of his body was to bring a new covenant through the forgiveness of sins. And so what did Jesus do with the bread? He took it. By taking on a human body and living as one of us, he endured pain, he endured heartache, he knew what it was like to personally feel alone, to need rest, and so much more. He knew our human condition. By Jesus coming as a baby and living as a human life, he showed us the most personable way possible that he understands us, knows us, and deeply cares for us. This was an act of humility. As Jesus spoke about the bread to the disciples, they did not know that his body was about to be broken. He knew, and he willingly allowed the crowd to accuse him, the soldiers to whip him, embarrass him. He gave himself up to bear not only the intolerable cruelty, cruelty of crucifixion, but as he hung on that cross and, the God, and God the Father stepped back, he felt the full crushing weight of the sins of the world upon him. Every sin you have ever committed, he felt. Every sin that has ever been committed against you, every pain, every bit of brokenness he carried to that cross. Jesus gave the bread to his disciples at that last supper. This bread represented his body, and he reached across the table to possibly to every one of those men individually and gave them a piece of bread. This was his promise to them that he would always be with them. He was and he still is with us today. 
Today, as we're taking a little bit closer look specifically at the bread and what Jesus' life meant to the children of Israel, what the bread came to mean through the cross, and now we stand here in 2022. When we understand what God did with bread, we will understand how he works in our lives. If we allow God to took us or take us, we will see Jesus more clearly, and we will have more of a passion in our everyday life to follow him. Just as God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, he delivers all people from slavery to sin. Are you passionate about your walk with Christ? Are you passionate about following him? We had someone in our office the other day who was just like, I love Jesus, I love Jesus so much. I saw their passion. It was just like, we're like, wow, person really loves Jesus. Oh, I want every one of us to have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you see him working around you? Do you see God working in you? Do you trust him to be like bread in his hands? To be breakable, to be soft, to be tasty? Jesus blessed the bread. How does that work today? We see people all around us every day who we feel are blessed. They have big houses, they go on fancy vacations, they drive nice cars, they wear beautiful clothing, maybe they even got an Xbox Five and the latest phone. And our understanding of the word blessed has become so skewed over time. Blessed does not mean that we have everything our selfish heart desires, craves, or covets. God blesses us when we are took by him or maybe a better way to say that is when we are taken with him. When my oldest child was two years old, it was Valentine's Day, and we didn't have a babysitter, so we took him with us. And we went to this nice little restaurant in the town that we lived, and at our Valentine's dinner together, we had a lovely server. She had bouncy brown hair, and she had a thousand-watt smile, and she was wearing the prettiest red dress that you've ever seen. I remember putting him putting his little elbows on the table. Oops, I'm making that scream. <laughs> and resting his chin in his hands as he watched her move throughout the restaurant. To him, she was lovely. She was the most beautiful lady that his little eyes and his little heart had ever seen. His eyes shone. He could not take his eyes off of her. He was completely taken with her. Are you taken with Jesus? When you think about him, do you swoon a little? Are you taken with him? Does your face light up when you talk about Jesus? You see, this lovely waitress noticed the little boy completely enamored with her. She blessed him with smiles and extra Andy's mints and a ton of extra attention. He turned to me as we were about to leave, and very seriously, and a little still dreamy, he said, Mama, someday I'm going to marry a girl like that. God blesses you when you make a commitment to be taken. To be taken by Jesus, and whatever God takes, he blesses. Do you see his blessing in your life every day? Are you following him passionately or just giving him lip service? If you are still not seeing his blessing in your day, in your life, every day, ask him to show you. He's so faithful in this. He will show you your blessings. 
And sometimes they are really not what you expect. But he will show them to you. Just ask him. Now Jesus took the bread. He blessed the bread. And when he did, what else did he do with the bread? He broke the bread. Sometimes we get broken. It's not fun when we get broken. It's painful. We get hurt and wounded by life, by bad things happening to us, relationship issues, sickness. And we wonder, if God really loves me, why does he allow me to feel this pain? And this is like a universal question, and it's hard to answer. But I found something interesting in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17. Second Corinthians 4. If I look up the verse, I know how long it takes you to look up the verse. And I don't read too fast. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. I know when we live in a space where we feel that we are in pain or we feel that we are in brokenness, sometimes we see it as too much to bear. God is with you. God is with you when you go through those hard times, and he will bring glory out of your situation. I remember one, one time in our life, and I was just talking to God, and I said, God, you better have a really good plan to bring glory to this situation. And he does. He does in every one of your lives. He will bring glory to the life that he has given you. Oh, let's see, where am I at here? <clears throat> this goes all the way back to the original covenant that God made with Abraham. God promised that he would bless the descendants of Abraham. But they must follow the path of God. You are the descendants of Abraham. Through Christ on the cross, you are his descendants. God promised that he would bless the descendants of Abraham. But they must follow the path of God. And so it is still today. We follow the path of God. God blesses us. Even when we are broken, God blesses us. We've had some of our greatest blessings in our brokenness. If we ask God to see them, we will see those blessings. It is from that brokenness that we discover a true need for Christ in our lives. Because whatever God blesses, he breaks. Whatever he breaks, he uses for his glory. Jesus was broken on the cross. He did so to save you. And in his sacrifice, he brought an incredible glory to God. When we are broken, we come to Christ with our brokenness. He understands what it feels like. But he knows something that we forgot. He is waiting for us to come to him, to take us as his own. He wants to see how incredibly faithful he is. One more thing Jesus did with the bread. He gave the bread. Jesus reaches across the table to you. He hands you that piece of bread. You know that this bread now symbolizes the gift of salvation that is his body that he's freely giving to you. This is your redemption. 
This is what we do in remembrance of him. When we enact the Eucharist, when we have, when we have um, communion together, the evening is getting late at our home. You have been with us and you have heard this story. You have heard this ancient story and you have seen it carried through into what Christ did for us on the cross. You've been a part of the elements. You have, you have tasted the bitter herbs. You have eaten the bread. You have taken communion with our family. And you may have had a new experience of washing your feet. You have come together as a community to worship God in this very special way. We have remembered Jesus and his incredible gift that he gave to each of us and sacrificing his body as a substitute for, our, for ours. We have journeyed together from the Old Testament to the New Testament to today. And here today, this celebrates the joyful feast of remembrance. The ancient story has been told once more. A story that spans time a story woven together by sacrifice, blessing, freedom, and community. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you are God who's always had a plan. You've had a plan from the very beginning of time, and you have a plan to our very last breath and beyond. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would open our hearts, that we would be so taken with you, Lord, that we would just... We couldn't stop from spending time with you and opening your word and praying to you. Lord Jesus, may we be passionately in love with you. Lord Jesus, those you take, you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blessing. Thank you that you see our lives. Help us to understand blessing and what it is. Show us what that is. Lord Jesus, sometimes we're broken. And I know that your heart weeps with us when we're broken. Your heart wept on that cross. You felt all of our pain. You felt all of that sin. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you were a God that cared so much about us, that you cared to feel and to take all of that sin upon you and to feel that brokenness for us. Lord Jesus, <laughs> thank you for everything you have given us. Thank you that you give us new life, a new life in you. I pray blessing on the people that are here, Lord Jesus, a blessing on their family, a blessing on their homes as we prepare for this Easter that's coming up, Lord Jesus. May we remember you. May we walk with you always, and may we live a passionate life following you. In Jesus' name, amen.